I called the sermon Paul's Wish because he says, I wish that all were as I myself am. And we learn that uh, Paul is single himself. So uh, this section, I feel like, highlights singleness, but yet in the end also talks about marriage and uh, the need for it. It's... um, America, we all know, is changing, and I, I think the whole world, as a matter of fact. But uh, uh, a Pew poll from a, um, several years back here says we hit a point where 50% of American adults now are single. They're not married. They were divorced. They're widowed or they never got married at all. And uh, that is a change from the past. Uh, marriage was, um, was very high on everybody's list. Um, but another thing that has changed, and, and there are several things that feed into this, um, divorce rates are high, so that creates more single people. Uh, the... Um, Baby boomers. I'm kind of on the bottom end of that. But uh, there's a bunch of us. And um, as people are dying off, uh, we have widows and widowers who are now part of the single community. And there's a lot of those. But then uh, another thing's happened is marriage. And um, it is delayed more and more. The average uh, now for a first marriage is 30 years old for both men and women, which is kind of surprising. I mean, I got out of high school and I went to college a year and we got married. So I didn't mess around with that. But um, I think there's more the thought that it's better to wait a little longer. And uh, But... We are not really uh, studying that today. Um, Those are just some major moves that create a situation where there's a lot of people who are single at this point. The um, uh, Paul, was he single? Um, He doesn't really hear he says he is, but we don't know his circumstance. And... uh, there's people who uh, who grab at little things, and uh, I re- did read this one thing, and I thought, well, I don't know, maybe he is, or was uh, married at some point. Uh, Acts 26, verses 9 to 11. I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme and in raging fury against them I persecuted them even to foreign cities 
we all knew this about Paul. He was persecuting when on the road to Damascus. Christ came to him and converted him. But uh, there's an interesting little thing there, if you noticed it. Uh, when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. We think that may mean that he was a um, part of the Sanhedrin, and if he was, he would have been married. Uh, that was a requirement. The Jews put high priority on marriage. Uh, I've read different things that at different times, uh, like when they first got back from uh, the exile, uh, the marrying age may have been as low as 14. And they wanted their people to be married to boost their population. And then um, probably in this time period of Paul, um, by 18, 20 at the latest, they would have expected you to have been married. And um, there were many arranged marriages at that time. So Paul likely had been married and... Uh, sadly, was uh, probably a widower. And uh, we don't know that as a fact, but we know that as speculation. So um, he uh, tells us, though, here, I wish that all were as I am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Two kinds of gifts. Uh, I think he's talking about the gift of singleness and the gift of marriage. You don't hear many sermons on the gift of singleness. Um, and there's a lot of people that would not like to have that gift. But I hope you change your mind um, as you hear about how Paul sees singleness. Um, so first... Uh, the word gift that he uses is the Greek word charisma. Um, it's a grace gift, if we were to translate that. It's one way we could. Uh, his, uh, this same word is used to describe the gifts like teaching, preaching, giving, mercy, prophecy that were given to believers. So each of us has, we're a believer, we know it, and we've been taught we get certain gifts. Um, there are certain tests you can take that will supposedly help you identify your gift. Uh, but the gift that's not often talked about is the gift of singleness. And, uh, but it is a gift of God. He uh, points out a couple things that aren't really covered. Uh, they're covered later in this chapter, but I'm going to bring them up uh, so we can uh, think about them. It may be better in times of distress or crisis or persecution to be single. We see that in verse 26. I think that in view of the present distress, it's good for a person to remain as he is. And in this case, if you were single, to remain single. I think uh, the thought there is, um, there's been many a movie made about the, the good guy and his only weakness is they go and grab his kids and his 
wife and all of a sudden they can control the good guy. Uh, I can only imagine if you were a missionary and you take your family to a Muslim country, uh, you know, if you have a wife and kids, that's a scary prospect. Now, God can, can protect you all, but you're still in a scary area. And uh, so there is an advantage there, though, for, for the single person. Um, a second thing, the married person has worldly troubles. Uh, he mentions that down in verse 28, if you're still in uh, chapter 7. Uh, he has these worldly troubles that the single person does not have. Guess what? Sometimes it's a lot of work to earn enough money to buy the food, to feed the kids, um, to put a roof over the family's head. Uh, heads and um, but there's all kinds of worldly cares involved with uh, being married I'm not downing being married it's also a gift but uh, we know that there's work involved by the husband by the wife and uh, there are a lot of worldly cares involved with being married that this single person doesn't necessarily have to deal with the single person has more time to devote themselves to serving the Lord and pleasing the Lord, which is a wonderful thought. Um, I know uh, oftentimes uh, pastors' wives, uh, you hear that they feel like they're deserted because their husband's at church all the time. Uh, there's a, uh, a problem that pastors need to make sure that um, everything isn't about the church all the time. It also has to involve his family and his children. Um, or there will be problems developed there. We, uh, you know, a verse that we often think of with um, serving and pleasing the Lord, which would apply for the uh, single person as well as the married is uh, 2 Corinthians 5.9. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. And uh, some uh, versions say uh, our aim, they say our goal to please God. And we need to think of that in all times. And the single person can at times have more opportunity to please the Lord. Um, just... A question as I get to the end of this little thing on singleness. Um, does it make a difference in your attitude to know that being single is a gift from God? I want to add one other thing in here is that uh, here in verse 8, he says, To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it's good for them to remain single. We, uh, we read unmarried, and in our American minds, we think that means everybody who isn't married, that doesn't have a wedding ring on, everybody is single. But um, to them at that time, Paul writing in Greek to us, in Greek there's a word for widows. In Greek there isn't a word for widowers. I don't know why that is, but it's just one of those things. So by saying the unmarried, he covers 
the widowers, as he says um, there at the end of the verse, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Um, So this unmarried category would cover those who have been divorced, um, male or female, um, at any time in their life, if they're still single. It would cover those who are widows. It would cover those who are widowers. So it covers all those people. And as I said at the beginning, I think, I feel like these general principles I'll talk about are going to cover everybody who's single. Actually, we're going to talk a lot about married people too. But um, especially, we want to think about those who are Widows, widowers, and divorced at this time. And uh, he, um, I think it makes a difference. I, I, I mean, I would think, I saw my dad go through it as my mom died um, many years back. Uh, it can be very, very difficult to have once had a married companion and then have lost them. And uh, the loss is great in every way. So it would be hard for him to have thought of it as a blessing or a uh, gift from God. But uh, that's what it is. That's what God tells us. So, secondly, I mentioned there's two gifts. The gift of singleness, the gift of marriage. Um, I don't go into marriage as deeply because I think pastor will cover it more. Um, later in the chapter, but I did put down some verses that I think of. Um, if you wanted to look them up, Genesis two eighteen to 25, it was not good for the man to be alone, so God created woman, and then marriage. Um, I, I am sure that uh, there's a lot of times where you could say it's not good for the woman to be alone either. So this, this goes both ways in that. Uh, Hebrews 13.4, marriage is honorable among all in the bed undefiled. Marriage is a good thing. It's wonderful. And uh, for the people who have received it as a gift. Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Uh, This, again, is one of those verses that I think we can turn it around and say, she who finds a husband finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Uh, Yeah, it's a blessing. It's a blessing, too. It's a gift also to be married. The... um, As we go on from that... um, I've got several little categories where I put through lists. It's such a short section that I'm one of those guys that likes to make lists and think about, how do I handle this? Um, So how do you know if you have the gift of singleness? Number one, you know because you are single. Uh, God put you there. Uh, It's a gift right now, even though you're wondering about it. Um, Paul gave us a few hints here. 
You can control your lusts and desires. Well, that's good if you have the gift of singleness. You're not burning with passion, which he mentions there in that last verse. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Um, Number three here, how do you know if you have the gift of singleness? God has not sent you someone to marry yet. Uh, Guess what? You may have and be convinced you have that gift of singleness. And at some point late in your life, up shows this man who wants to marry you or this woman who wants to marry you. And you say, wow, maybe maybe I'm done with the gift of singleness. Maybe I have the gift of marriage. And uh, so that's how you're going to know. Kind of by default. If you are single, well, yeah, you have that gift. How do we know if we should get married? Now, I mentioned a couple things there already, but um, if we are burning with passion all the time, it'd be best to be married. It would have been especially hard to live in Corinth. It was dominated by this temple to, uh, I think it was Aphrodite, and uh, to basically sexual... um, uh, perversion and uh, they had a thousand prostitutes can you imagine up on a high hill in this temple and at night they'd go out into the city to uh, uh, do those things that they would do and uh, it'd be hard to live a single life around that kind of stuff but Today, you'd have to say it's that way in Indiana, too. It's that way in Indianapolis. Immorality is so common and so accepted. It's on our TVs. It's on our phones, our magazines, on the street, in our families, on the street. It's so common if you drive down Washington Street towards Indianapolis uh, to see prostitutes um, out there. Um, doing what prostitutes do. My brother lives just off, um, he's on Lowell, I think it is, and uh, they've got a little kind of alleyway behind them, and sometimes the prostitutes bring the guys back in their alleyway and are trying to conduct business back there, and he... um, He'll call the police, or sometimes if he just goes and knocks on the window, they'll move on. Uh, But it's everywhere. It's uh, in our families, computers, movies, ads, everywhere. So um, if you are that person that's burning with passion, uh, you probably need to start looking um, for a husband or a wife. And um, now just some thoughts um, about and warnings, really, thoughts and warnings. I had five of them here. If a couple decides to get married, they should do it pretty soon. I'm not a fan of five-year engagements or three-year engagements. Um, You can do it. It's your life. You know your, you, yourself and your fiancé best. Um, I say get married. Go through some counseling with the pastors and get married. But uh, to wait a long time 
opens the door for immorality of some sort. It's hard. Number two, it's hard to stay pure and avoid immorality. In our day, we've got lowered standards, um, free expression, constant suggestiveness. Uh, a thing I call, uh, which kind of fits with the five-year engagement, the fiancé trap. Um, we, Sean and I had a lot of rentals and uh, rented to a lot of uh, just husband and wives or single people. And I don't know how many times we got introduced to the fiancé. And I was like, okay, well, that's nice. This person has a fiancé. And uh, before I knew it, the fiancé was still the fiancé, but they were living with the person I'd rented to. And um, guys and girls, um, God doesn't really, He doesn't want you living together. He'd love you to live together and be married together. And you can talk to any of us pastors about having that uh, marriage ceremony. Um, Don't fall into that trap. Number three, it's really hard when a person has strong sexual desires and no immediate prospect for a spouse. It happens um, more often than we probably want to admit. Um, Hang on. Hang on. Um, I, uh, I do think that God is thinking of you. And if you recognize this as a gift, your singleness at this time, He's going to help you through it. And something I see here in our church, I don't know that it's just because of singleness, but is our single ladies, they stick together. I see them going out to eat a lot. Uh, they talk to each other. They encourage each other. Um, being single doesn't mean you can't have friends and doesn't mean um, you can't encourage each other. And I love to see that. Second Corinthians 6.14 um, Let me see. I forgot. It is not God's will for Christians to marry non-Christians. Um, I know it happens, and sometimes it works out, and sometimes it doesn't. If at all possible, if you're questioning whether that potential husband or wife is a Christian or not, take your time. Don't rush into it. Uh, I think God will tell you over time uh, whether they are or not. But uh, God makes it pretty clear through 2 Corinthians 6.14, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? So he makes it very clear, Paul does there. um, Don't get into those relationships. Now what happens to... Two non-Christians get married, and then one of them is saved. He doesn't say to get out of that. He says, stay in it. Let's see what happens. Um, Maybe that other person will come around to your side, to God's side. Number five here, don't just rush to marry the first Christian that comes along. I would love to say that every Christian would make a great mate for you. 
but sometimes not. Um, you need the right person. Uh, when we're making decisions that should last our lifetime, let's, let's make a good decision. So be careful, not careless. Uh, things Christians wanting to get married should do. Uh, you're one of those. Yes, you're still single, but you'd love to get married. Uh, first of all, look for a person you can love, tr- trust, and respect. Let marriage come as a response to a commitment of love. I know probably still a lot of the world has arranged marriages. Thankfully, you're free to marry who you want here, as far as I know. Um, So, uh, you know, look for that right person. Not, Not every proposal for marriage is something off a Hallmark movie. Um... But you can tell when that person is the kind of person you like, when you get along, when you truly love each other. Uh, Number two, it's okay to be on the lookout for the right person. Right? You're on the lookout. Oh, there's a single guy came in. There's a single woman. They're about my age. Um, But it's even better to be the right person. Try to be the right person. If believers are right with God and it's His will for them to be married, He will send the right person at the right time. Count on it. Believe it. I think uh, in um, the book of Ruth, we have one of those stories. Uh, Ruth and her mother, um, mother-in-law, uh, they had both lost their husbands. And... Uh, So they were both widows, and um, her mother-in-law, Naomi, had come from Israel. So she says, I'm going back to Israel. And Ruth says, you're not going without me. And as a matter of fact, um, I would rather die than uh, separate from you, and your God will be my God. And she was an amazing person, uh, Ruth was. And um, so they move back, uh, and Ruth exhibits some amazing things that, that the whole everybody around her saw. I, um, I would say there's a lot of p- people in our church who are single, men or women, that exhibit the kind of things that you're looking for in a spouse. Um, She was loyal to her mother-in-law, it says. Um, That that declaration, I'm not going to leave you, I'm staying with you. Now you're talking about, I'm guessing, um, somebody who was the same age as her kids, so much younger than her, and her much older, caring for her may have been more than just living in the same household. Uh, It may have been... uh, little bit of nursing care at times. But Ruth did not give up, and she did that. She was loyal. A second thing she did, she trusted in God. We see that in uh, chapter 1. Let me, let me look at these, because I, I just... Ruth, we could probably... Uh, that would make a wonderful study here at some point. 
chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. And, um, and we knew that one already. That shows her loyalty. But then in verse uh, where she said uh, she trusted God, that was in verse 16 that we just read. And then in chapter 2, verse 12. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. That was Boaz talking to her. But he recognized she had taken refuge under the wings of God. Uh, If you ever feel alone, um, we're under the wings of God too both married and non-married, but uh, more so maybe the single person at times may need that uh, recognition to feel that they're under the wings of God. um, She worked hard to provide for herself and Naomi. Uh, It mentions in three different verses her working morning to night, gleaning the fields. Well, that was back-breaking work. they, have, they had a regular crew that was uh, harvesting everything. There was a crew of guys that were using the sickle to cut it down. And behind them came a crew of um, women servants, maid servants, who would tie it up into uh, big sheaves of uh, grain. And she uh, could take anything that got left behind in the field. Uh, that wasn't wrapped up, which was, uh, which was enough for her to live on. So she was a hard worker, but it wasn't free. She had to work at it, and she did good with that. The, um, she had a good attitude, is my uh, fourth thing. And I found two verses on that that I feel like really speak to her good attitude. Uh, she did all that her mother-in-law, all that her mother-in-law told her to do. Um, that's in cha- or chapter 3, verse 5. And if any of you ever had a mother-in-law, you may know that sometimes that's hard to do. But she did it, and that showed a lot of love, and um, showed her good attitude of wanting to please uh, please her mother-in-law. She bowed in humility before Boaz. And for the day and time, he was a little older man, uh, older than her, and he was the landowner. And so she had bowed before him and said, thank, you know, basically, thank you for watching over me. I know I'm just a foreigner to you. And... Um, She showed a great amount of humility in doing that. And humility that you probably don't see very much of nowadays. Uh, Number five, she was a woman of excellence. I believe the NASB says that. 
ESV says she was a worthy woman. We, um, we look to uh, Proverbs 3.10, talks about the excellent wife. And, uh, of course, she wasn't a wife yet. But guess what? She was exhibiting those excellent things that if God was bringing her a husband, um, the husband would recognize and uh, would understand that she'd make a wonderful wife. Ruth trusted, uh, number six, Ruth trusted in the sovereignty of God to bring her and Boaz together. It had gotten very close at that time in verses uh, chapter 2, verse 20. And uh, Boaz had all these things to do, going to the gate and seeking out the first kinsman redeemer. And I'm sure she left after meeting with him and wondering, well, I wonder what's going to happen, you know. But she trusted the sovereignty of God. She didn't push Boaz. Uh, she allowed it to happen. Has God let it happen? Now, this excellent story of Ruth, uh, I didn't do it, but we could probably turn that around and look at Boaz from his side of the story. Uh, he had a lo lot of wonderful things going on, including the fact that he was a, uh, a man of some wealth, um, but yet he too must have been looking for a wife. And uh, so he found a wife in that set up. Until the right person is found, um, our energy should be re redirected in a way to keep our minds off the temptations. Spiritual service at your church um, with others. Physical activity, it's always good to wear yourself out. Uh, not only does it make you more healthy, but uh, help reduce some of those uh, um, temptations. Uh, don't listen to, look at, or be around anything that increases temptation. Uh, men and women, the place to look for a spouse is not the bar. People are drinking, they, they're not, they don't have their best sense on, um, they're, uh, it lowers their, they're less inhibited, and uh, that's not a good place to look. Don't even go there. Um, I'd love to see you meet somebody at church here, but I know there's a lot more places than the here. Uh, my my uh, nephew, he met his wife at, uh, um, I believe it was uh, Kroger, years ago. She was a cashier. And guess what? When he went through the line, he always made sure he was in her line. And uh, so, who knows? Uh, but uh, he looked a long time. Learn Philippians 4, 8. You know, if you're ever doing biblical counseling, you can say that for almost anything that somebody comes to you for. Uh, it's always one of those verses. Get your mind thinking about the right things. Finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, 
If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And we need to do that uh, to keep our minds off of unrighteous thoughts. Um, Number four here, realize that God gives us the right person. Uh, He will provide the strength to resist temptation until that right person comes. We, uh, again, more scripture, 1 Corinthians uh, 10, um, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. We all have those temptations, so don't feel like you're the only one. That's when it's good to go to somebody else and uh, talk through it. It might help you out. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide the way of escape uh, that you may be able to endure it. Number five... um, We should give thanks to the Lord for our situation. It is a gift, after all. Married or non-married, it's a gift. And be content in it, not desperate or anxious, only trusting that all things work together for good for Christians, whether single or married. Now that's uh, basically Romans 8.28 adopted to our situation where we're thinking, I can't go another day without being married. Uh, Guess what? He's making all things work together for good for you. Uh, You can go another day. Um, The uh, If you're a person who likes to read lists of stuff, I've got more that I can't even share. So... Uh, But my last list, and maybe our praise band can uh, start finding their way up here. Uh, My last list, and I would love to hear more of these out of the Bible that you can think of. Uh, Examples of faithful singles. Uh, this This one surprised me. Isaac, he was unmarried until 40 years old. Of course, his father was uh, Sarah's mother, or his mother Sarah and his father uh, Abraham. So we know he didn't get too out of line. And uh, he was faithful in being unmarried till he's 40 years old. The, uh, you know what I learned in that too? Look up his story, and soon after that, you'll see that Abraham got married again. At like, I don't know, he lived to 175. But he got married again after Sarah had died and had six more sons. Wow, I didn't know that story, did you? Who, who knew that story? Hey, a few of them you do. Good. You're better than I am at this. Uh, Isaac, unmarried till 40. Anna, and you just got to read Anna because it's, it's heartwarming to me. Um, let's see. She is in Luke chapter 2, verses 36 to 38. Um, and there was a prophetess 
Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher, she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So, she was a virgin, say if she maybe even was uh, 20 years old and then married for seven years and her husband died, and all that time till she was 84. Uh, Talk about somebody staying busy by doing spiritual things. She was working at the temple till she was 84 years old. And she was allowed to uh, prophesy about Jesus uh, when he came to the temple. Uh, Paul, we mentioned he'd been a widower and um, he remained faithful to the Lord. I do not want to go through his regime regimen of uh, uh, whippings and beatings with rods and uh, being thrown in prison. Um, uh, But he remained faithful through all that. And that's an amazing thing. Uh, Guess who? I, I I bet maybe... I'd like somebody who's who's a single to guess our biggest and best example. Jesus, somebody said. Who said it? All right, Christina said Jesus. He did it, didn't he? Uh, he lasted his whole life. And boy, if there was a guy who could have used somebody to take care of him, Uh, to rub his shoulders when he came home at night, he would have been that guy. But uh, being the perfect Savior, he chose not to even get married and uh, lived that perfect life without sin. And then the last one, um, and uh, she is not a great example. I will call her an example of the real world of today uh, the woman at the well remember her uh, God bless her uh, Jesus asked her to uh, get him some water and then he ends up telling her about living water and uh, eventually Jesus says you've had five husbands and you're not married to the guy you're living with now um, I hope Jesus doesn't have to come to you someday and you're in that situation. But on the reverse of that, I have some hope for you. Guess what? He forgave her. She went out and testified to the whole town. He told me everything I ever did. And guess what? The town probably already knew. Um, But she said, is this guy the Messiah? Um, it's never too late to turn a life around. Uh, I hope you're all living a perfect life without 
anything involving um, sexual immoralities. But that'd be pretty stupid of me to think that, wouldn't it? Um, We know that uh, we live in the same world as the rest of Indianapolis. And there's a lot of temptation. Uh, There's a lot of things that could go wrong. And I just call you today to come to be right with the Lord. uh, That you can start over with a new and fresh uh, life. Um, Yes, there may be some hangovers from the things you've done in the past. uh, That you might have to deal with. But with the Lord and with His church, um, you are going to be right again. And I pray that for you. Let's, uh, let's finish in prayer.